Hello and welcome to Catholic Bites, the podcast for busy Catholics. This is Father Conrad and I have with me uh, via the wonders of modern technology, uh, Father Joe Rampino. Father Joe, welcome back to Catholic Bites. Thanks so much, Father Conrad. I appreciate it. So you had an interesting Lent you were just telling me about, and why don't you share a little bit about what you did for Lent? I did. I had a really interesting Lent, a fascinating Lent, and a really good one. So one of the things that uh, we're blessed to have nearby where I am where I am in the Diocese of Arlington is we have a parish uh, for Melkite Catholics. So these are Catholics of an Eastern church. So uh, Byzantine tradition, uh, the Greek tradition coming out of uh, the old patriarchal see of Antioch and out of Syria generally, that's what we're talking about. That's what it means when we say Melkite. Uh, and one of the wonderful things about uh, Lent is uh, the Melkites would have liturgies every evening. And now usually as a priest, uh, I would not be able to attend Melkite liturgies, uh, not because of anything weird or canonical, just because they just have Saturday evening and Sunday morning liturgies yeah. and usually during those times, as I'm sure you are yourself. <laughs> uh, but during Lent, you know, you might have a free evening somewhere. And so I could go join them. And one of the things that I've been uh, praying with, it's an experience I had on Good Friday. So I finished all of the regular Good Friday uh, responsibilities confessions, uh, liturgy of the Lord's passion, stations of the cross, all that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, I thought I can finally go uh, for the Melkite liturgy of the Lamentations. The Melkites on Good Friday in the evening have a liturgy that is entirely devoted to the buried Christ, to Christ in the tomb, which mm -hmm. fascinates me and still fascinates me. And uh, what's amazing about it, they'll set up uh, kind of a mock tomb, not a mock tomb, kind of a, a ritual tomb of Christ mm -hmm. in which they lay uh, their corporal, the antimension that has the image of Christ lying in the tomb on it. So this is laid in the tomb and it's the focal point of the entire liturgy as you chant praises to the buried Christ. Uh, and the thing that struck me so much about this liturgy is how the, the text kept bringing back to the forefront how Christ in the tomb is still alive, that this is a victorious sleep, that Christ in the tomb is still, um, he's still God, he's still alive, he's conquered, that this is not a, it's, it's only kind of a sad moment. Mm. There's some lamentation, but there really is mostly just uh, victory and rejoicing. Over the course of the lamentations, the text becomes more and more joyful and triumphant. You get these wonderful lines like, um, you, O Lord, after conquering death, now sleep like a lion. Like, I don't know what that means. Oh, wow. It's very evocative. Uh, <laughs> it's rather evocative. Um, but you get, uh, uh, there's a beautiful text uh, that explains the entire mystery of that moment to them. That goes, Moses the Great did foreshadow this day mystically by saying, and God did bless the Sabbath day. Um, for on it, he rested the son of God. He rested from all his work and he kept the Sabbath holy by the mystical dispensation of death. And he arose again today uh, from uh, by his resurrection to what he had been and to us did he grant eternal life for he alone is good and a lover of mankind, uh, which is just a great text. Um, but what it brings out is that sense of Christ even in what seems like defeat on the outside is alive, victorious, unconquered is, you know, the lion who saves us. Yeah. Um, and it's something that it's, it's certainly present in Catholic theology in the West, 
but it's something that we don't always experience in our devotion during Holy Week. And I wonder if that's something from which we could benefit generally, even in just, uh, you know, helps to our, our daily practice of the faith. I think there's something there that, that, uh, that would be profitable for us. Well, yeah, let's, let's uh, unpack that a little bit and, and let's do the, the, the good go on and on, but yeah. <laughs> let's do the good Western thing. So like the Eastern thing is to have these beautiful mystical descriptions and experiences. And the Western thing is with the precision of a scholastic theologian with the knife of reason and the, you know, the, <laughs> the, the tools of St. Thomas Aquinas and all dialectic. We like, pierce into it. Yeah. Oh, gonna, yeah I, I know. Well, the scalpel well wielded <laughs> by a surgeon. That's How right. do we understand that? How do we understand what, what's being said Christologically? Like if we're thinking about Jesus and his actual death and resurrection, right. how do we understand, like, what does that mean that he's still alive in the tomb when clearly he's dead, at least in his human nature? Right. Well, so I think, um, do you, you remember a, a, a mutual friend of ours from seminary, Father, Father uh, Tony Hollowell, mm-hmm. uh, said something very interesting to me. He said, whenever I have trouble understanding the scriptures, I just look at the short definition that Christ is a divine person with a divine nature and a human nature. Mm-hmm. That always sorts out the scriptures for me. And I think that's what we have to do here as well is just be very clear that Christ is one subject. He's one, someone He's one person, mm-hmm. but he has a complete human nature and a complete divine nature, which are totally united to each other. That means he can die according to his human nature, which clearly dies his human soul and his human body separate. The moment he dies on the cross, his human soul passing not into the hell of the damned, but into Hades or into the land of the dead, we'd call the hell of the fathers, I suppose. So this is, is the that, place. Yeah. And that's, uh, what, that's what we say in the Apostolic Creed, right? Like the Apostles' right. Creed, uh, he descended right. into hell. You know, that's right. that's what they mean. So not to the place where uh, people are being punished for having totally rejected God, but into the place where those who uh, had remained faithful, but uh, who are awaiting the opening of heaven were waiting, not in torment, but in an incomplete mm-hmm. uh, sort of repose. Uh, so that's what we can say about the death of Christ is it happens in his, in his human nature. His human body lies dead in the tomb. His human soul descends to Hades. But if, and, and that's easy enough for, under, for us to understand. But of course, Christ also has a divine nature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is God. He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And that divine nature is uh, united, we'd say hypostatically united to his uh, human nature. And it's not just to his human soul. It's also united to his human body. Even Thomas talks about uh, the sacred cadaver of Christ being still united to the word, Mm -hmm. uh, to Christ's divine nature, to his, his, his uh, Godhead. Um, that this is still the body of God, the word. It's not as though what Christ really is, is his soul. Just like you are not merely your soul. I'm not like, if you were to say, what is Father Rampino really? I'm not just really a soul trapped in some kind of meat prison. I am myself, soul and body. Um, So also for Christ. And that means that when we say he's still alive in death, that means obviously his divine nature doesn't die. His divine nature is life itself. Yeah. Um, his divine nature is, um, you know, substantial existence, um, that he is, you know, always alive and giving life and giving reality. Um, so he in no way 
can die. Uh, and that's the miracle of this entire moment and the beauty of this entire moment is that Christ's divinity is always united to his humanity, even when he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Christ lying in the tomb still lives. Christ uh, is, so there's another Eastern text that I'm going to misquote because I, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they say, um, thou, thou wert in the, in, in the tomb, in the body, and Hades in the soul, with the thief in paradise, and at the right hand of the Father, O Christ, in all things unbounded, right? Mm. Uh, kind of bringing out that Christ is in all of those places at the same time by virtue of the fact that he has a divine nature and a human nature and his soul and body are separate Mm -hmm. at at that moment, that he's in all of those places truly under different aspects. Um, So I think that's the way we would want to describe that clearly. But I think that's so important for us because sometimes with the way we relate to Christ, um, I'm thinking of things like doing the way of the cross Mm -hmm. or reading the passion or, you know, observing Holy Saturday with silence. Um, we have, we have a, a really strong tradition and a, and a beautiful way of going through the human experience of things with the Lord in the West. As Catholics, we're great at following the human experience of Christ mm-hmm. and following the human experience of the disciples who are seeing all of this. But we sometimes don't go further and remember, like, what's going on behind it all, that Christ according to his divinity has never left heaven at any one of these moments. He's in heaven as he does all of these things, which changes the tenor of it a little bit. I think it, it actually, the, the beautiful thing too about that is it, it emphasizes as well, the radical way in which God wants to be present to us as well, mm-hmm. you know, right? Like <clears throat> God desires for us to, to have this encounter with him. And he's going so far as to, that, that line you said, he's in the tomb in his body, he's in Hades in his soul, uh, and yet still in heaven with the thief and at the right hand of the father. Like that, that, that talks to me about the presence of Christ, that, that God so desires to plunge into this human world that we're in, this physical world, in order for us to encounter him. And sure. we're not just encountering a nice teacher, we're encountering the living word of God who really wants to enter into our lives and to transform right. us. For certain, I would say it almost it almost says something. I agree with that entirely. It almost says something uh, quite the opposite, not not contrary, but the same thing seen from a, of a different direction to me. Is not only does it speak to how much does Christ want to be present to me here, but also like where is Christ capable of leading me? Yeah, that Christ because I think sometimes um, we can in our emphasis on the human experience, which, you know, we never want to lose. You always want to stay close to the sacred humanity of Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, I think if we emphasize his solidarity with us so much, which we do, you know, how much does he suffer? How much does he experience suffering? How much does he share with me in things like desolation? If we emphasize that solidarity too much, we can kind of lose that sense of hope. We can lose of Christ is it really is the unconquered lion who kills death and kills my sin and brings me home safely um, because you know I'm focusing so much on the fact that he's with me in my suffering I can sometimes forget that he's drawing me out of my suffering into heaven itself even now as I receive the sacraments and so both I think remembering both that this is the immense compassion of the one who wants to be so close to me but also 
you know, by being close to me, he doesn't lose the ability to conquer everything that he's suffering and uh, everything that I'm suffering. Um, everything I have difficulty with, he can conquer it because he's also still always at the right hand of the Father. He never leaves that. He's always yeah. victorious. Um, but I think tying those two together is such an important thing for keeping our courage in the spiritual life, yeah. you know, right? I have courage because I know I've been loved so, so closely and so intensely, but I also have courage because I know the one who loves me is the one who conquers. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah, it's it's I I think I'm going to stick with that image of the the reposing lion uh for a while now in my spiritual my my prayer. It's so beautiful. Well, thank I mean Father Rampino, thank you so much for sharing this little insight into um how uh how Christ uh, truly does conquer and and what that means for us. And uh, hopefully um uh, our listeners uh will also uh um approach Christ who is reposing in death like a lion sleeping uh, and and see his triumph even there. Um, if you like this episode, or you liked this talk, you can find other great Catholic talks at catholicvicepodcast.com or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, check out uh, the rest of kind of our, our little uh, smorgasbord of Catholic uh, media at catholiclink.org. Uh, there's all sorts of cool stuff there and their YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, subscribe uh, to the podcast and leave us a review. It's always helpful. Thank you, and God bless you.